Hey, this is Joe Caminetti Jr. Welcome to the BC Podcast. We hope it inspires you and helps you in your journey with Jesus. Enjoy the message. We began a new series last week. We titled it 40 because we're celebrating our 40th anniversary as a church. And I got to looking in the Bible, and one of the things that 40 stands for is a generation, and it's God making a demarcation for what he considers a generation. And I thought of us turning 40 and being a generation as a church. And I thought of you and whether you've been a Christian for 40 years, 30 years, 20 years, 10 years, five years, one year. Guys, as we mature, there's certain things that we can do and God can do through us that he wasn't able to do before. And that's really what this series is about. Last week, I titled it Preparation. And uh, we talked about how God sentenced them 40 years in the wilderness. He delivered them from Egypt, but he had to take Egypt out of them, just like he has to uh, fill us up with the word of God, renew our minds. And uh, we talked about their time in the wilderness. Uh, But I titled today Domination. We're going to talk about how to dominate. And you don't necessarily have to be a Christian for 40 years or a church for 40 years, but you have to come to know God. And you don't have to be big and tough personally, there's a way that we dominate. We're going to talk about that. And uh, uh, many of you know, most of you know, I had a stroke um, May, May 25th, a Thursday. I was sitting at home uh, actually preparing notes, and, um, and, and all of a sudden this hand wouldn't hold my phone, and then this arm stopped working, this leg stopped working, I couldn't walk, and so 911 was called, and uh, they took me to the hospital, and then a brain surgeon came in, and he said, uh, the good news is I don't have to do surgery on your brain. I said, that's good. What's the bad news? He said, oh, you had a stroke and uh, that's why things aren't working. It was deep on this side uh, uh, and it was a bleed stroke. So you had about a half inch of blood and that's why you can't move and that's why you're dealing with what you're dealing with. And I was stroke illiterate at the time. And, uh, and so he said, you'll be here a while. You'll be rehabbing. Can't guarantee what will come back, what won't come back. Um, and so they put me on a special floor at first uh, for, for brain trauma and uh, had a room to myself. All those rooms were that way. And the first two days, I would just stare at the wall. And Gina would say, you want me to turn the TV on? And I go, no. And then I wouldn't talk. She goes, why aren't you talking? And I said, I'm depressed. <laughs> I said, I don't feel like talking. And I'm afraid if I talk, it won't be good. Uh, you know, like, I feel like saying, God, why did you allow this to happen? God, what's going on in my life? God, I'm faithfully serving you. God, I eat good. God, I exercise. What the heck happened, God? And so that's what I felt like saying. So I didn't want to say that. So I didn't say anything. And I'm just staring at a wall like, mm. and then the third day, because I've been, you know, peeing in a bottle and, and then they have a little porta potty and they're, I'm sitting right next to the bed for that. And finally, the third day, I, I said, can I try a sponge bath? They said, yeah, yeah try a sponge bath. And I get in the bathroom, the nurse has to walk me there and I can't hold my rag and I can't hold my electric shaver and it's falling out of my hands. And I'm looking in the mirror, Gina's still at home. It's like five, 5.30 and in the morning and I just began to weep. And then I had to call the nurse. She took me back to my bed and I'm laying there. And I said, you know what, God? You know how I feel, but you know, I haven't said a bad thing. I don't plan on it. But I'm making a decision right now, God, that even though I don't feel like it, I'm going to declare the glory of God, 
the goodness of God, the promises of God, because you're the God who said, if we fall in the pit, and some of you embed in deeper pits than I have, that if we fall in the pit, no matter how dark and deep it is, that you're the God that picks us up out of the pits of life and you plant our feet on solid ground. You're the God that by the stripes of Jesus healed us. And I'm just gonna declare that, Lord God. I, declare, I decided to dominate. Uh, but I, guys, let me tell you, if you were in the room, it, it would not have motivated you. It wouldn't impress you at all. It was kind of weak, but I, I, I got it out. I got it out. I didn't feel like saying it. I, I, I believed it kind of, but I believed it scripturally because I've been around in God a long time. But man, I just didn't have any energy. Didn't feel like saying it. But you know what? Your prayers, uh, speaking the word of God, the promises of God, and we're going to talk about that today. Um, guys that allowed God to be God and do what only God can do in each and every one of our lives, right? So I thought about the children of Israel, and uh, the Bible says they tested God 10 times, and we talked about that last week. We're going to look at how they are at the end of the 40 years, but I wondered, I wonder what categories they're testing God. And to test God means you say, God, where are you? God, why didn't you show up? God, why did you allow this to happen? And here's the categories, guys. Israel tempted God 10 times in the wilderness. Five times they didn't trust God, and five times they complained. And I thought, well, com you complain when you don't trust God, right? But, but they did make uh, separations. So um, uh, I thought that was fascinating, and, and I just wrote it down. They complained about a lack of water twice. They complained they would die of starvation twice, and they complained they were in a desert, right? And so that's five, five complaints. And in the desert, they're like, we're having bad hair days, God, and it's really hot here, and uh, we don't want to live here, especially for 40 years, right? And so a lot of complaining went on for the first 20 years or so. And then they didn't trust God to split the Red Sea. Uh, they didn't trust God to help them conquer the inhabitants of the land. That's how they ended up in the wilderness 40 years. They didn't trust him to bring enough manna two times, two different times. That's the bread that fell on the ground that they ate. And they didn't trust God to bring Moses down from the mountain. I think that's fascinating there. Uh, remember, he went up into the mountain to receive the Ten Commandments. He was up there 40 days. And the Bible doesn't say, but somewhere around the 30th day, they thought, there's no way that guy's still alive. It's thundering, it's lightning, it's dark, there's a cloud over it. He's got to be dead. And they looked at his brother Aaron and they said, hey, make us something we can see. And he made the golden calf, right? And they, they began to worship it. And then Moses came down, was upset, threw, threw the Ten Commandments down, had to go back up and get a new pair. And, and, and guys, it was all a lack of trust, right? And I thought, well, Lord, that's what we don't want to do, but that's what we feel like doing. And I have done it many times. I have, I have tested God many times. I've complained. I doubted. I, I didn't have trust. And, and yet, Lord, uh, I want to come to a place in my life. I want us to come to a place of our life where that's not something we do. And I created a big idea, guys. It's what I want us to walk out, understanding more than, clearly than ever. Many of you know this. Many of you are walking in it, but it goes like this. Magnifying God allows God to magnify us. And we're going to talk about domination, which is magnifying God with our mouth, declaring his promises, declaring his goodness, declaring what he has said. And then he can magnify us. That means he sees us and he begins to move and he begins to work in our lives. So last week I went home and my wife said, Joe, that was really good today. And I said, thank you, wife. Of course, you're going to say it's good. You're my wife. But I, she said, you didn't like it? I, I felt like a talking head. Blah, 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 blah. No, I didn't like it. I wasn't happy. And, uh, and, and, and then I said this to her. I said, you know, honey, 
um, there's only so many subjects in the Bible. And I've been teaching the same church for 40 years. And I remember after we were a church for three years, this would be 1986 at the end, uh, I, I, I just realized I taught every subject in the Bible over these three years, and now I have to reteach. And I thought people were going to hate this. I thought I should just go to a new church every three years, and then I, then I don't have to reteach any subject in the Bible. But then I realized, you know what? We forget things. I'm teaching, and I forget. And so um, we need reminded, right? And so I thought this week I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to say, oh, it's something I taught, because I am bringing something out that we've talked about hundreds of times over 40 years, but it is so powerful. And I know as I prepared these notes, God made it more real than than ever to me. So there's a piece of furniture. Most of you know what it is. It's called the Ark of the Covenant. Would you take a look at it with me? This is the Ark, guys. And the Ark of the Covenant is really, really important. First, would you notice the two angelic beings facing each other on the lid? The lid's called the mercy seat of God. It's a type of God's throne is what it is. And these angelic beings in heaven surround the throne. And then do you see the poles coming out? There was only one way this could be carried, and it was on the shoulders of the priest. And the Bible says, if you're a Christian, you are a New Testament priest. And we have many things we do in our priestly ministry, but one of them guys, we're going to find out is to magnify God. And whenever you see the priest carrying this or you hear about the ark, you know what it means? The manifested presence of God, God magnifying and moving in people's lives. And so God is omnipresent. He's everywhere at all the time, but there's a difference from him just being everywhere and then him showing up and beginning to work and him beginning to do some things in our life. And we're going to find out as we magnify him, it allows him to come into our life and do some things. So when you see this image, you see the priest carrying it, you read a story about it in the Bible, they don't have to say a word because God used an image. And in order for that to happen in our lives, we have to magnify God. And I want to make sure we understand that and see it. I like what Moses said. Every time, uh, you know, God said uh, the cloud move or the pillar move and they had to move out or they went to war, they, they always took the ark and it went first. It went to war with them. And here's what Moses said in Numbers 10.35. Whenever the ark set out, Moses said, rise up, Lord. May your enemies be scattered. May your foes flee before you. And guys, that's just the priest. No, no swords, no guns, no missiles, nothing, guys. Uh, whenever they walked, Moses let us know what that means. That's the manifested presence of God, and God is rising up. And what happens when God rises up in our lives? Enemies are scattered. And man, by the time they spent 40 years in the wilderness, they got it. And we're going to talk about them getting it today. But let me show you how else we know that that's what this represents. Listen to Psalm 22, verse 3. Yet you are holy, Lord, you who are enthroned upon the praises of Israel. So some Christians become really technical, and I want to help you out now, okay? Because if you're technical, that's a good thing, but you have to make sure you harness it, right? Because I'm technical, so I can miss a lot of God's blessing just because I'm so technical. But, but guys, some people will say, well, that's for Israel, not for the Christian. Well, well, you know what your Bible says? that if you've accepted Christ, you have been grafted into Israel. So there's Israel, the physical people living in Israel, living in Jerusalem, 
That's not us, but we're spiritual Israel. And so if you've accepted Christ, you've been grafted in. So this is for you. But the New Testament also says if you're in Christ, if you become a Christian, that every promise in the Bible is yes, and you speak the amen to it. So these Old Testament promises are ours. Now, we know by context, sometimes we read a promise and it says, we're going to give you the promised land. Well, we know that was just for them at that time. But you take any of the general promises, and they're for us. So take a look at this verse, guys. Psalm 22, verse 3. Yet you are holy, you who are enthroned. And the word enthroned means to dwell, to sit upon. And guys, the Bible is saying how God can be the ark in your life, how you can walk around carrying them on your shoulders, how he can rise up and your enemies can be scattered. And how is it? What is he enthroned? What does he sit upon? The praises of Israel. And this word is the Hebrew word tehillah. And if you've been at Believers any length of time, I've talked about tehillah many times, not tequila, but tequila. And guys, it is amazing. So I wrote this out so you can, you can meditate on it through the week, guys. And, and just remember now, if you're listening to this message, if you go to the Believer's Church app on your smart device and you go to this lesson, everything that comes up behind me on the screen or if you're watching on TV or online or underneath me, guys, it, it will come up in the notes. So you, you can make this a Bible study in your life. So here's what tequila is. Tequila comes from the Hebrew root word, halal. And can you see, hila is halal in a different tense, so it's tahalal. Halal means to say it. Tehila means to sing it. Both words mean to rave, boast, or celebrate God. And all these words are under the umbrella of magnifying God. And so, guys, what does God inhabit? Tehila, halal. And when you rave and brag and celebrate God, when you declare his promises, when you declare what he has done, it doesn't matter if you feel like it or not. God's able to be God. He's able to do what he's declared he will do. And that's what's so cool about it. And it doesn't matter who you are. You know, I think about where I'm at in life now. I go to the gym, you know, and two days a week I lift weights for strength training. And, and guys, as I'm lifting weights, I'm looking around, and there are girls lifting heavier weights than me. And if you spent your whole life in a gym as a guy, that, that's depressing. And uh, uh, nothing against women, but I, I, there was never a woman that was lifting heavier weights than me. And so it's a pretty much a bummer. And, and uh, then, then get a hold of this. I do the machines too. And when you do the machines, uh, they're covered on so nobody can see the weight you're using. And, and so when I'm all done with the machines, I look around, if no one's looking, I add another 60 pounds. So when I walk away, people that come to the machine, they think I was doing 60 pounds more or 100 pounds more. I think I got to play with their heads a little bit and it just makes me feel good, right? So I said all that to say, guys, as we age, uh, this is not about us being physically tough, big and bad. That's not what this is about. It's about us being big and bad with our mouth, right? And declaring and raving and bragging about God. And you know, guys, I believe and I teach God is sovereign. But in his sovereignty, you know what he said? I'm making you promises. And I'd like you to put those promises on your lips. And so when I, I I'm not telling God what to do, but I'm, I'm saying what God has said, what God has promised, what God said he would do. And when you begin to do that, you're like the priest carrying the ark and God shows up in your life at a higher level. So I know your prayers helped me and your prayers really brought me to the place where I was able to declare and begin to halal, begin to Tehillah. So Israel now comes to the end of the 40 years, guys. 
They're, they're at the end of the 40 years. And God gives them these two monster obstacles to overcome. And here's my first one. They faced overwhelming resistance, but they magnified God and he pushed back. And we're talking Jordan River here, right? So uh, they're ready to go into the promised land. Moses has died. Joshua's become the leader. And God says, I want you to cross the Jordan. And guys, I remember when, the first time I went to Israel, I saw the Jordan River. And I said, they could have walked across this thing. It's, it's no big deal. And I, I was water baptized. They had some ministers there from Israel. And I thought, I want to be re-water baptized because this is the Jordan. It's in the Bible. But I came out of there thinking, man, this Bible story doesn't mean as much to me. Then I came home and I studied it and I realized, oh, it was in flood stage. And then I researched it and I realized, oh, when it's in flood stage, they say it's a mile wide because it wasn't, it, it was like the middle section is all the width was, you know, and a mile wide, 20 feet deep, and the water moves at 10 miles an hour. So they didn't have an Army Corps of Engineers to build a bridge, and God says, you're going to cross that, and you're going to go into the promised land, right? And, and guys, uh, I, I wondered when I was preparing these notes, I wondered, has anybody ever taken a picture of the Jordan in flood stage? And they have. Here's the picture of Jordan in flood stage. Look at that. Isn't that big and bad and intimidating? But imagine a mile long, right? That's pretty, pretty big. And so here they are, and God gives them some instructions on how to cross it. But what's really fascinating, listen to me now, not one of them complained. Not one of them said anything negative. Not one of them tested God. And I thought, man, God grew them. And I, I'm thinking, I want to just be like them. You know, I, I want to be an ark carrier. How about you? You want to carry the ark? And, and I want to walk in my priestly ministry and declare what God has declared. And here's the instructions God gave him, Joshua 3, verse 15. Now, the Jordan is at flood stage all during harvest. Yet as soon as the priests who carry the ark reached the Jordan and their feet touched the water's edge, the water from upstream stopped flowing. It piled up in a heap a great distance away. So here's what God said. Nobody was complaining. He said, just have those priests. Can you imagine? And guys, I have a picture. This is a painting, a rendition of the priests. Um, they just, they picked up the ark. Now, what's that a type of? Let, uh, God is enthroned uh, upon our praises, right? So it's a type of them just praising, worshiping God. And then uh, can you imagine? They didn't complain. They didn't say, hey, get some other priests. I'm sick today. Um, uh, and, and, and they just walked into the Jordan when they, their feet touched the Jordan, right? Boom, God just knocked it back. And all of Israel walked on dry ground into the promised land. And you know the word Jordan? Jordan means descending. And I just want you to think, what's flooded your life? What's knocked you on your backside? What's going on in your life where you could really use God to show up? And, and whatever it is, guys, just imagine these priests. That's why I love these imageries. Just imagine these priests and make a decision. I am going to begin to carry the ark. I'm going to magnify God so God can magnify me and begin to declare the goodness of God, the glory of God. And what does God do? he'll come in your life and he'll begin to help you. And guys, I'm not saying we don't do things in the natural. Right now we're dealing with pretty high inflation as a country, right? And uh, as, as I look around, uh, I've cut some corners. I don't think that's wrong. I've done some things, you know, to as the time we're living in. But I also decided I'm not going to 
complain. I'm not going to fear. And I began to declare the promises of God. I love to declare these promises over my life. You know, the Bible says if you give, it will be given back to you, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. That's more than you gave, right? You know, the Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, it says that if you're a generous giver, uh, the Bible says that God is able to make all grace in the area of finances flood your life. And so, guys, as I'm living in this world that I'm living in and I'm seeing all these things that I see, I just begin to declare, God, I know what this country is going through. We've done it before. We'll, it, it will get better. But God, while I'm walking in this, I'm going to be an ark carrier, and I'm going to declare you're the God who meets all my needs, and, and God is able to bring blessing into my life. How about the dark nation that we live in, guys? Um, no matter what side of the aisle you sit on politically, can we all agree our nation is becoming a little bit more and more immoral as we go. It's becoming a little darker, uh, a little less God in our nation, even in our government, right, where the, the Judeo-Christian values are being dropped. And you and I can think, man, this is a bad time. And I always say this, it's important to hear. I always say, you know, I don't know if this is a, a down cycle and we're going to go back up because we're close to the end time. So I don't know, is this the last roller coaster ride down, and then is Jesus going to come back? I have no idea, so I'm going to vote, and I'm going to do everything I can in the natural to be a good citizen. I'm going to pray for our nation, but you know what? One thing I'm not going to do is worry. I'm not going to worry about my kids, my grandkids, my great-grandkids when they come, because you say, this world is dark. Oh, my God, what's going to happen to them? No, I am not going to do that, because the Bible says when sin abounds, God's grace abounds more and more and more. So, as dark as the world is, if it never changes, guys, this is an opportunity for God to show up and for God to do amazing things in your life. He's going to give us a grace to stand our ground, a grace to declare the goodness of God, a grace to walk through whatever we have to walk through, a grace for our kids to walk through, a grace for our grandkids to walk through it, our great-grandkids. And guys, no matter what's going on in the world, the darker it is, the brighter God is. So this is a time for God to be bright and for you and I not to fear, but to glorify God, man. Glorify God. You're not going to feel like it by what you see, but guys, you can declare what God has promised. And God has promised, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. God has promised you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. God has promised if we preach the word, people are going to accept Christ and we're going to have some revival in this country. And that's what this country needs. Nothing else is really going to fix our country. So now they're all on dry ground, guys. And here's what happened next. They faced an impossible barrier, but they magnified God and he knocked it down. So the next thing, now they crossed the Jordan. Uh, God pushed it back. Now God says, I want you to take Jericho. But it had these walls. They were 26 feet high. They were so wide that they had apartments in them. They, they say that they used to do chariot races on the top of the walls. And these walls are surrounding the whole city. And Israel, at, at, at the stage of military back then, all they have is swords and shields, bows and arrows, and spears. And you're not taking down a 26-foot wall with those things, right? But God said, you're going to take the city. And they're like, how are we going to take the city, God? And God did something just amazing. He said, I want you to take that ark. He said, none of you are allowed to say a word. When, uh, you can't talk, but I want the ark to go first. I want the trumpeters in front of the ark. And I want you to go uh, walk around the city once a day for six 
days. And then the seventh day, we'll talk about those instructions. So they walked around day one. Nobody said a word, but the ark is speaking. It's screaming. Our God is great. Our God is mighty. Our God's going to knock those walls down. If God be for us, who can be against us? Day two, nothing happened. Day three, nothing happened. Day four, nothing happened. Day five, nothing happened. But here's what didn't happen too. Nobody's complaining. Nobody's saying, God, where are you? Day six, nothing happens. And I really believe God had them circle uh, seven days so that you and I can look at this and say, you know what? Some things don't change right away, but I'm still gonna carry the ark. I'm still gonna declare the goodness of God, the greatness of God, the promises of God. No matter what I see with these eyes, I'm gonna say what the Bible says and I'm gonna declare it. And it's gonna release God to be God. Let God show up, let the enemies be scattered. So day seven comes and God says, I want you to do it seven times. And so they walked around one time, two times, three times, four times, five times, six times, seven times. And God said, at the end, after seven times, I want the trumpets to blow and I want all of you to shout. And guys, here's what happened. Here's what happened. Joshua 6.20, when the trumpet sounded, the army shouted. Nobody murmured, nobody complained the whole time. No one said, man, it's been six days and nothing's happening. When's God gonna show up, right? No, and, and at the sound of the trumpet, when the men gave a loud shout, the wall collapsed. So everyone charged in, in and they took the city. And I just think of this scene. And you know what I've noticed in God? There comes a time when it can seem mechanical. We're declaring his goodness, his promises. It can seem so mechanical. Uh, we're giving our halal, we're giving our tehillah. But guys, there comes a time when we just know in here, man, I got it, it's gonna happen. And we, give, we can give a shout of joy, a shout of blessing. And I believe that's an image that's being uh, shown to us here. But what's really cool is historians have uh, found the wall and they say it wasn't knocked down one way or the other. It was like something pushed it into the ground. And the Bible says that the earth is God's footstool. And I just think God stomped on it, man. He stomped, 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 right? God just pushed those walls down. And Rahab, who lived in the walls, the harlot, uh, because she helped the two spies, uh, they told her, if, if you stay here, anybody in your family comes into your apartment, we will spare it. So that means God pushed all the walls down, but her section of the wall stayed and she was spared, but then they, washed in, they rushed in and they had a victory. They magnified God and God was able to magnify them. So I want you to think, what barriers do you have in your life that you're tired of? You know, why not do a Google church, uh, search, find out what promises God has made? And instead of complaining or instead of being depressed and staring at a wall like I was doing for a couple of days, uh, well, how cool would it be if you just began to read those and then you began to memorize them, you began to say them, and that declaration was on your mouth and you began to declare that if God be for me, who can be against me? My God can do all things. There's nothing greater than my God. By the stripes of Jesus, I was healed. My God shall supply all my needs according to his, his glory. My God is the God who restores. No matter what's been broken, God God can restore it. He can lift me up higher like he did Job. What would happen if we began to praise and worship God like that? Well, God would show up and God would inhabit. So I'm gonna close here with some prayer. But guys, can we give it up one more time? Say, thank you, God. Thank you, God, so much. Now, now, bow our heads, pray. Bow our heads, close our eyes. Let's pray. Listen, listen, listen. I know to some it's brand new what I just said. It can be overwhelming. I, I get it. I get it. I get it. I get it. But right now as we're in the presence of God, would you ask God to say, 
just agree with my prayer. God, as we go through the week, would you bring these things back to our remembrance? Would you bring this little phrase, if we magnify God, he will magnify us and remind us of Halal, to heal us. Remind us of the image of the ark. And God, give us the grace and the strength to begin to declare your goodness. We don't have to do it in front of anybody. We don't have to shout it out in front of people. They might think we're crazy sometimes. But God, when we're all by ourselves, we can declare the greatness of God, the strength of God, the promises of God. And Lord, we help ask you, remind us of that. and Give us the grace to do it. And God, we do thank you that you're the God that pulls us up out of the pits of life. And you set our feet down, Lord God, on solid ground. And we thank you for doing that in each and every one of our lives. Our heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Listen, maybe you're listening right now and you're not sure of your eternity. I'm not asking you to join our church. I'm not asking you if you're a member of a church. You're just not sure if you were to die, if you go to heaven or hell. You know, the Bible teaches we can be sure. The Bible teaches whoever calls on the name of the Lord, the Lord will save them. And so right now I'm asking you, can you remember a day in your life when you called on the name of the Lord? That's the good news, that Jesus took our punishment. He died, spent three days, three nights in the heart of the earth, and God raised him up from the grave. And whoever calls on his name, the Bible says, will be saved. So we can be in a church all our life and never call on the name of the Lord. And if you're listening right now, you say, I can't remember that day whether in Boardman, TCI, online, here in Warren. Why not today? Why not pray and accept Christ and declare that he's Lord over your life and allow him to do what he promised to save you and wash your sins away? So guys, can we help them? Those that are praying for the first time, can we help them over in Borman, TCI, here in Warren? Online, I'll tell you what you can do in a moment, but pray with us right now. And if you're praying for the first time, simply mean this. And guys, say this after me. Say, Lord God, I realize I was born sin-stained and I need a Savior. I repent of all my sins. And this day, I look to Jesus. Jesus, I believe you're the Son of God. You're the Savior of the world. That you died and were buried. God raised you from the grave. And I declare this day that you are my Lord and I accept you as Savior. And I make a decision today to follow you and become one of your disciples. Hope you enjoyed today's podcast. There are a couple things I'd love for you to do. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. That helps us spread the word and impact more people. You can also help us see others connected to God by investing today at believers.cc slash give. And if you want updates on all things Believers Church, check out believers.cc or follow us at A City Connected on Twitter and Instagram or search Believers The Connecting Place on Facebook. The best way to connect with BC is live and in person at one of our weekend worship experiences. We have locations in Boardman and Warren, and you can get the service times and plan your visit at believers.cc. Thanks for tuning in to the BC Podcast. Thank you.